Well, good morning. It's a really great, such a privilege to be down here in this classroom. I love coming down here. Um, I think uh, Pastor Joshua and I uh, have this thing going between us. When I'm sick, I had COVID on Thanksgiving, a really bad COVID. And so I had to call him like two or three days before Thanksgiving and ask him to come and pitch for me because we were teaching the same passage. And he was really thankful that I was sick so he could teach my class. So he called me last night. I had a big grin on my face because I got a chance to come down here. And No, I'm just joking. He, I really feel bad that he's, he's sick and uh, we didn't really need to pray for him. But I got this text from him and he said, are you teaching tomorrow? Just this one little text. Are you teaching tomorrow? I said, yes. And he said, good. That was the next text, good. So then, and then I got another text. He said, I have a sore throat. That was the next text. And I said, okay, what does that mean? He says, well, uh, in a couple of hours, I may have such a sore throat that I won't be able to teach today. And so in a couple hours later, he says, you know, it's getting worse, but can I wait till tomorrow morning to, to make that test, to make that decision? I said, sure. So three o'clock this morning. And I'm awake. I, I wake up at two. So, and um, so he said that it's, it wasn't, he's, he's, he was feeling really sick. So we really do need to lift him up to prayer. So in, in all honesty, I know that you really enjoy your Sunday school teachers and, and uh, they are fantastic. And we've had you up uh, teaching and uh, we've, uh, you, you all, you have fantastic shepherds uh, here in this class. I know you appreciate them and I know it's hard when you can't have them teaching. So I'll try to <clears throat> do an okay job and, and they'll be back. And it is really a privilege. Uh, I can't believe a 65 high school, 65th high school. Um, that's that. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm 66 years old. So that means I was one year old. So that was what, in 57? That was when Disneyland opened up in Southern California? 55 they did? Okay, well, wow. Close. Close and amazing. Anyway, um, I am humbled. I am very humbled. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 4. Lord uh, sought fit for me to be teaching 3 and 4, so he knew that I needed to be grounded in these passages of Scripture, and they've been very humbling to me. And so what I'm teaching today, what I'm preaching today is are passages of Scripture that um, need to really, uh, and really infest my heart, and I need to make sure that I am inoculated, if you will, with these, these passages before I stand up in front of you, and, and they have been bathing and, and filling my veins with um, just incredible um, applications, so I hope they're as rich to you as they have been to me. Um, many of you uh, are fathering children, uh, mothering children right now. Um, some of you are um, influencing grandchildren. And some of you, all of you, are influencing spiritual children here at Countryside Bible Church. So never think you're out of um, the, 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 the importance of, of rearing children, whether they're your own physical children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, or spiritual children, because we make that commitment every time we have a parent dedication at Countryside Bible Church. 
And so we need to view these passages of Scripture in, in that light because we've made that commitment. Why should the father or mother be anxious to instruct or direct a son and daughter in life's journey? And one of Puritan um, writers said, because he has seen more of life, more of its mystery, its peril, its tragedy. Therefore, his heart yearns to preserve uh, the young from danger. And isn't that true? I mean, even for those of you who are in your 20s, 30s, or 40s, even now, you all have experienced the perils of, of life. Life is hard. You know, there's so much stuff out there. And we're just so, um, it can be so easy for us to get trapped, you know, in the stuff. We're going to co cover a lot of passages today, and I I intentionally don't put those passages on PowerPoint slides because I want you to wrestle with your Bibles or with your whatever you have on your pads, and I want you to annotate and earmark and, and, and be familiar with flipping back and forth because that's what we're going to be using in our day-to-day -day walk with the Lord and when we're instructing our kids. So I have a handout. Make sure you use that. It has the basic outline, but you can actually write these passages down and, and you can use that for further reference. Let's just go ahead and read this passage, okay? Let's just, just cut to the chase and get right to the passage. Um, Proverbs chapter 4. Hear, O sons, the instructions of the Father, and give attention that you may gain understanding, for I give you sound teaching. Uh, don't abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender, and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, let... Your heart hold fast my word and, and keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Don't forget. Turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. She's going to guard you. Love her and she'll watch over you. Uh, the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with all of your acquiring, get understanding and prize her. And she's going to exalt you. She'll honor you and she'll embrace her. If you embrace her, she'll place on your head a garland of grace, and she'll present you with a crown of beauty. Here's the second plea, trusting in God's providence. Hear, my son, and accept my sayings, and the years of your life will be many, and I've directed you in the way of wisdom, and I've led you in upright paths. When you walk, your steps will not be impeded, and if you run, you're not going to stumble. Take hold of instruction. Don't let her go. Guard her, and she is your life. Here's some negatives. Don't enter the path of the wicked. Do not proceed in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not pass by it. Turn away from it. Pass on. Here's a commentary on the wicked. They can't sleep unless they do evil, and they are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness, and they drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the shining of the dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like darkness, and they don't know over what they stumble. Here's the third plea of Solomon, obeying God's will. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence. From it flow the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you and let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you watch the path of your feet and all of your ways will be established don't turn to the right or to the left but turn your foot from evil 
You know, there are two kinds of love in a home, aren't there? You know, for us men, you know, we go out and we earn a paycheck, right? So we can build that house and we can provide for the needs of the family. You know, bring home that, that put that food on the table, right? And, 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 and we provide for all the physical needs. But there's another kind of love, right? There's, there's that spiritual love, the love that's concerned for the spiritual needs of the household. And that's really what Solomon is talking about here. The physical needs are important, right? We need a house. We need a roof. We need a car. We need all of those things to provide for. And the Psalms and the Proverbs and the rest of the, the word, even Christ said that, you know, you're an infidel if you don't take care of the needs of the family. But the, the point is, is that Solomon says what's even more important besides providing for the physical needs of your family is, is laying down that foundation, that spiritual foundation, Right? And this chapter is focusing on that. And, and let's take uh, some time to look at some of the major highlights of this chapter, what we've just read through. You know, if we were in BSF right now, we'd get all our color pens out, right? And we start coloring our Bible. I saw a Bible over there that it was all colored out. It's really cool. I don't know whose Bible that was over there. It's just like, that is a cool Bible. You know, how long have you had that Bible for? Yeah, it's just like every line is colored, so... But, but let's look at the positive commands, what we've just gone through. Um, give attention to, verse 1, let's, you know, um, acquire wisdom, another positive command. Acquire understanding, verse 5, another positive command. Love her. You know, wisdom is now a woman. Love her. Wow, embrace her, love her. Acquire wisdom, verse 7. Get understanding, verse 7. Prize her, verse 8. Take hold of instruction, verse 13. Guard her, verse 13. Verse 15, pass on. Verse 20, give attention, incline your ear. Keep them, verse 21, watch over your heart. Another positive command. Let your eyes look directly ahead. Another positive command. Let your gaze be fixed. Another positive command. Watch the path. Another positive command. There are negative commands here too. I have those in red. And do not abandon, verse 1. Um, verse 5, don't forget, nor turn away. Verse 5, do not forsake her. Verse 6, I'm making a point. Verse 13, don't let go. And look at verse 14. Solomon gets really emotional here. Do not enter the path. Do not proceed. Avoid it. Do not pass. Do not pass go. Monopoly. No, turn away from it. Verse 15. Verse 21, do not let them depart. Verse 24, put away. And put devious speech away, verse 24. Do not turn, verse 27. Turn your foot from evil. And then there's a, a boatload or a bounty of blessings. Think about that. Think about the blessings. Now, they're not guaranteed. You're not going to get all this. It's not a pink Cadillac type thing. You do this, and you're going to get all this other good stuff. But the, but, but the psalm is making a point that if we fear God if we trust his word, if we obey his word, then, then there's blessings associated for, with that. There's eternal blessings, right? But I really do think that it, it paves the way that we're going to have a life that's going to be a lot easier to live when we're obeying the word of God. Look at some of the promises. Verse 1, we gain understanding. Sound teaching, verse 2. You know, I, I put green in here. Do not forsake, he'll guard you. Uh, love her. And you know what she's going to do? It's, yeah, she's going to watch over us. She's going to love us back. Um, verse 8, prize her. 
She's going to exalt us. She's going to honor us. She's going to place on her head a garland. Wow, this is an incredible woman, right? This wisdom. She's going to present us a crown of beauty. Wow, I need a crown of beauty. I'm going to put that on right now. These are all metaphors. Verse 10, years to our life. Remember in, verse, uh, in chapter 3, we had that, that tree of life. It was a metaphor uh, yanked from the Garden of Eden. But if we eat its fruit, we're going to live a long life. It was a metaphor. We're not getting the tree of life out. We're not going to live forever. But, but Solomon is making a point that when we live, when we obey, it has an effect. We're going we're gonna to live longer. Now, sure, some of us are going to die, die of cancer, right? Like my wife, because God had a different plan. But these are axioms. They, they apply in general unless God has different plans. Years of life. Verse 12. Your steps aren't going to be impeded. You're going to run, and you're not going to stumble. They are life, again, verse 21. And your ways will be established, verse 26. Notice the, the, that all of these are general, what we've talked about in chapters 2 and 3, general, general ideas. Now we're going to get to the nitty-gritty at the end of chapter 4. We're going to get to body parts. We're going to talk about lips. We're going to talk about the mouth in, in, in verses 25, 26, and 27 in chapter 4. And then, boy, we're going to get to chapter 5, and we're going to get to chapter 6, and we're going to get to chapter 7. And that's wisdom affecting the way we behave. You know, that w wicked woman, you know, in chapter 7. Wisdom is going to help us go the right path, right? We have a choice between the right path and the, the, the wrong path. And so now, when we transition next week, and the week after that, and the week after that, we're going to be talking about the, the, where the rubber, if you will, meets the road, and how wisdom affects our decisions. So that's basically advice from the general to the specific, and that's the direction we're going. The name of this message is Wisdom Perfects Our Path, Pursuing sanctifi Sanctification's Hold on Us. You know, um, sanctification's hard. I'm not talking about salvation. I mean, we got that. The, the Lord called us before the foundation of the earth. We, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that, that, God took care of that part, right? Election. You know, we, we got that, right? But sanctification, there's a dual relationship that goes on. You have a part, God has a part. And, and our part's hard. It's not easy. And Solomon has underscored that, Right? Paul says that uh, just as you obeyed, not in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your what? Salvation. Is that salvation? Is that positional salvation? No, it's sanctification. It's, it's our walk. Work out your sanctification in what? Fear and trembling. It's hard, right? It's hard. Each day we make decisions. And Paul's saying work out your your sanctification, fear, and trembling. For as God is work in you, that's his part, but your part is to work out your sanctification in fear and trembling. We're not talking about losing your salvation. I got that. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, as a gift of God. I got that. That's past. But we're talking about present. We're talking about our walk. And that's what Solomon is talking about here in chapter 3 and chapter 4. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. That's present-day sanctification for the believer in Christ. So wisdom perfects our path in pursuing sanctification's hold. 
So here's our outline. The contrast between good and evil, and that takes us through the first nine verse, uh, chapters. And then we're going to get into the themes, work, anger, pride, folly, wealth, speech, selected Proverbs. And then we're going to finish up with Proverbs 30 and 31, agar and, and lemel. For today in chapter 4, I think these are two really good key verses. Um, the beginning of wisdom is to acquire wisdom. In other words, it takes chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. It, it starts with our willingness to trust and obey, like the song. Trust and obey. There's no other way. That, that, that right there. And then, and then we acquire wisdom. And, and this verse kind of focuses on our will. You know, we know cognitively we need to trust in the Word, right? But this right there is with your will then. Grab onto it. And that's really what chapter 4 is saying. Solomon's saying, grab onto it with your will. You know, our entire being is mind, emotion, and will, right? But, but will is usually what, you know, that's, I don't want to. This is hard stuff. And, and so that's what he's saying. This, this is where we need, this is where the battle is. Uh, but what happens when we start growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ each day? What happens when we get into the Word each day? What happens when we start internalizing the Word of God each day? Verse 8. Isn't that cool? 18, I'm sorry. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. In other words, there's this gradual sanctification that's going on, and we become more and more godly, Christ-like. And that's exactly what's being said in the New Testament as well in Corinthians, and we'll talk about that when we go along. The theme statement, fear of the Lord. Uh, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls, gets you to salvation, but it also is part of our sanctification. James says that, right? It's written to believers. If you want to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, get rid of pride, fear the Lord, embrace humility, and receive the word implanted, which is able to save the souls. It's the same thing. Fear the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. Four kinds of people, right, in the world, uh, dealing with the fear of the Lord. And the first three are wrong. People who have no fear. Uh, people who, who, who fear the consequences of their sin, but they reject God. Uh, people who care about their sin, but who don't have the right relationship with God. And then the rest of us, and I trust most of you, I can tell 99% of you in this room have the right <laughs> view of fear. And so you, 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 you're redeemed, and because you care greatly about minimizing the sin in your life, because you want to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, you, you basically pay attention. You come to church. You read the Word each day. You, you care about what Solomon is saying in these chapters because you want to grow, like we talked about in verse 18 of Proverbs chapter 4. And then there's different Areas of life that Proverbs addresses, you know, the social, the marketplace, the intellectual, the family, the personal wisdom. But today, we're zeroing in on spiritual wisdom, right? And the theme then, um, all of this, is every believer without exception must decide your resolve to pursue obtaining wisdom, right? Uh, grasp it. And, and it's, 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 it's hard, right? Um, I work for my father-in-law, Patty's dad, you know, between um, semesters when I was a, a young kid at college. That was a long time ago. It wasn't 65 years ago, but um, it was close to that. 
And so I worked up in Milpitas, California um, with a pickaxe in my hand. And, you know, at the end of the day, they have to pry my hands open, you know, because I was digging out all those foundations, you know, in, in those houses. Got paid good money. Back then, I was getting $13 an hour plus uh, vacation pay, which is phenomenal. We're talking about in the 70s. That's a lot of money in the 70s. I mean, Bucky's pays less than that right now. <laughs> Put all that in the bank, you know. But uh, the point I'm making is I had calluses and everything, and I had sunburn, and, you know, uh, all the Hispanics that work with me were about this tall, and I was the only gringo out there on the field. And anyway, the long story short is, is that it was hard work. Well, it was like mining. You know, you, you dig down, and we saw that in Job 28, if you were in, if you were in Job 28 last week. The point is, is that that's, that's getting wisdom, is that we have God's word, but we have to work at it, don't we? We're not working our salvation, but it's, it takes hard work to, to basically integrate this into our lives. And we get calluses, and, and the believer develops deep spiritual calluses in his hands. And all these efforts are motivated by our fear of the Lord. They're motivated by Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust and obey. And, and that's really the theme. It's the theme for chapter 3, but this is really the will. What's our will? What, what's motivating us to do that? And that's really the focus. And that's the outline is, is uh, the father's first plea, knowing God's word. Uh, the second plea, God's providence. And the third plea is God's will. It's in your outline on the second page. And it's interesting as Solomon is pleading with the son. This is the six pleas in two chapters. My son, my son, my son, chapter three, chapter four, my son, my son, my son. My, what is he doing? we got to ask our que ourselves this question is, why is he saying my son so many times? You know, there's a, there's a reason why he's doing that. He's, 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 he's making a point. We have to go back to chapter 3, verse 11. Um, sanctification doesn't come easy, and he's already told us that in verse 11. My son, don't despise or reject the discipline of the Lord. 3.11. And, and he says that all the way throughout Scripture. It, it, this isn't a theme that he just picked out of nowhere, right? I mean, it's in Hebrews 12, 5. It's in Revelation 3, 19. It, it's here. It's in Job 5, 18. I mean, why does he keep repeating it all the way through the Bible, even the last, last book of the Bible? Because discipline, we're not talking about punitive. It, we're not talking about discipline. We're not talking about punishment. He, he's saying discipline is important. Because that's what God does is God the Father to bring his child along so that wisdom can be integrated into our life. And, and without it, what happens when we don't have discipline? We just sit back and, you know, bonbons and watch TV and life is good, right? I mean, I don't grow as much at all, you know. Take my wife away from me. Take, take her into heaven. And wow, whoa, I'm not the man I was eight months ago. You know, just to be totally honest with you, you know, I mean, I was growing before, but whoa, I mean, I'm on a, I'm on a speed train now, you know, and the Lord knew. The Lord called her home. He needed her there, and he knew I needed to have a, a different cant, a different focus, a different thrust, you know, and, and that's part of his discipline. And, and all of you have certain, you've even talked about in our prayer requests today, you know, some of those, the, those trials that come into our life have a, a way of, 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 of focusing us. And if we let them work the way they should, then we become more trained by them. That's what the author is saying right here. You know, it's interesting. There's two words 
that um, he brings out. Don't reject the discipline of the Lord in verse 11 of chapter 3, and don't despise. He uses two verbs because those are, that's a major speed bump to get over. Again, the will. I don't, want, I don't like this, right? Lou Priolo says, you know, we want to take a little Swiss Army knife and cut a little hole in the bag and get out of the trial that we're in. We want to get out of it. That's our first tendency, isn't it? That's mine. I'll tell you, I, I, just, I hate trials. I don't like them, you know? But yet, this double command not to reject wisdom assumes that following the path of wisdom, like the 1960s song, it don't come easy, Right? You know, George Harrison was right. It don't come easy. And, and, and notice the writer includes both resentment, rejecting, and loathing, shrinking back. You know, let's not get Pollyannish with this. This is hard. The Christian walk is hard. But yet, look what it gains. I, I just told you a whole load of stuff that, that we get when we embrace wisdom. And we love wisdom like a woman or a man. And that's, 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 the, that's what Solomon is, is describing. I mean, get intimate with wisdom. That's what he's saying. That's, that's the verbiage here. And you know, don't just treat it as a little devotional, you know, 10-minute devotional, and you just throw it away and walk away from it. He says, get intimate with this stuff and, and let it work with you. Get past that speed bump because it, it's, it's going to richly bless you. So we're going to expand. There's three exhortations and this is parental love at its best. And, and, and a parent can implore the young man or child to do what's right. And, and the parental love is so important. And it expands beyond what we've been talking about today to just the physical parental relationship. You know, we, we have a lot of families here where you don't have a, a father and a mother. Or you have a single. Or you have a husband without a wife. Or a wife without a husband. Or a single that's going into the 60s. And so we all depend upon each other. So think of the physical family. That's a priority. But think also of the spiritual family within the church. One commentator said, by recalling his own upbringing and citing his father, the teacher both identifies with the present struggles in his son's life and reinforce, reinforces the parental dignity of his words. And these teachings have stood the test of time, more than 65 years, but for thousands and thousands of years, even from the beginning of time, Adam and Eve. So, let's start with chapter 4 verse 1, hero sons, the instruction of a father. You know, this is the, the really being used in a strict sense. We're talking about, no kidding, we're opening the doors of the home and we're going in and we're seeing a father and a mother and a son and daughters and the whole family. You know, and this emphasis could be Solomon is ur urging the entire family. Dr. Henry Morris in his commentary says, suggesting that Solomon, by using sons, plural here, is talking about not just son, but daughters and everyone else that's in the household at this time. But what tender thing. So it's so tender. An only child, my mother, shows that the references to father and son, a literal father and son. This isn't to be metaphorical right here. Solomon is talking about just the, the impact that Bathsheba and David had on him. You know, as a footnote, I appreciate so much my wife's willingness, even with college degrees in hand and teaching credentials, to basically lay that aside. Even we were dirt poor when we were growing up as a family, even with my salary for 
for her to just stay home and, and, and really mentor um, Jonathan and Heidi. You know, a lot of you know Heidi Hamilton and, and, and Daniel and my son who's in the Air Force. And they have been eternally impacted by my wife's willingness to tenderly teach them at home while I'm in the Air Force and off and out of the house for you know months and years at a time. We both did that, but she was the backbone of our family. And, 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 and when I counsel other couples, I, I always emphasize the fact that, wow, what I'm experiencing today with my own kids now is a result of our commitment to, to rear them the way Solomon is addressing um, Rehoboam. Don't abandon my instruction, you know, with doctrine. And in verse 3, when I was my father's son, the son to my mother. You know, there's a profound implication that's embedded in verse 3. Think about this. In 1 Kings 3, 5 through 15, Solomon is, um, David has passed away. So Bathsheba's still alive, but God basically says, okay, what do you want? And what does Solomon ask for? Wisdom. Do you think that was a knee-jerk reaction? Do you think that he just pulled that out of the air? You know, think about this. This is an, an embedded implication that we lose sight of. That because of the training that he got when he was a kid, he knows what to ask God for. So this is really a, a, um, a spiritual credit in this scene goes back in part to a time when David and Bathsheba were drilling into their young son the importance of trust and obey. Think about that. Think about that, you and your grandkids, when you have time with them instead of, just nothing but play. Yank out the Bible. Or parents, you know, those times alone with your kids when they rise, when you go to bed. Breaking out, just integrating those truths with them and doing my son, my son, my son, my son, my son, and being as emphatic with their wills as, as Solomon is with them in chapter 4. You know, verse 4, let... They taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words and keep my commandments and live. You know, one commentator said that their parents were the ones who first inoculated a desire for wisdom. Wow. So Solomon, when the Lord asked him, he says, I want, what was the reaction of Rehoboam? You know, we'll get to him later. Look at the vulnerability of a grandfather, you know. Look at the vulnerability of David in Bathsheba, do you think they told little Solomon about their escapades? You know, and I don't want to indict Bathsheba because she could have been a victim. She could have been, she could, she either was complacent with, with the adultery or she had no choice. You know, I mean, the, the narrator doesn't tell us. It's really not important to the story. You know, so let's not, let's not, you know, throw her under the bus. David was the one who basically God held responsible for, for the adultery and the murder. But the point I'm making is that when they sat their little boy down, um, they had to be very candid. And I think we as parents, grandparents, or spiritual parents here, we need to be, hey, you know what? I wasted an awful lot of years. I could have done it better. I think we need to be candid with those who are discipling, don't you? I could have done it better. Make my mistakes. And, and I think there's a vulnerability there that I think we see between David and Bathsheba and Solomon, I think that they, they cut through. And I'm just using my sanctified imagination that I think they, they had some very, very heart-to-heart -heart talks. The bottom line is, it's better to traffic for wisdom, even if you're tested like Job, than to treasure 
gold and silver. I mean, put it this way, Solomon had a, he had a net value of $2 trillion. And he's comparing that as pennies compared to acquiring wisdom. $2 trillion. There's no one in the face of this that ever had, ever had that much worth. And he's saying it's pennies compared to acquiring wisdom. In Proverbs 23, 23, buy truth and don't sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. Love that. Buy truth. In other words, get it. You know, what's, what did Christ say? Kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field or a merchant selling fine pearls. Sell everything. It, cash in everything for it. Uh, if you're in California and, you, and you're walking along with your dogs on a field and you stumble across some tin cans and you, and you find these gold coins like a couple did. Now, they own their field, but just think of it if they didn't own that field. And, and there was a sign on that field that said, you know, for sale. What do you think that couple would have done if they didn't own that field? Well, don't get into the moral thing. Oh, they would have contacted the owners and told them about the gold coins there. But no, what would have been their temptation right away? They would have sold everything to buy that field, okay? Um, th that translated to millions and millions of dollars. With Those are minted, out of circulation, gold coins in mint condition. There was like, I don't know how many, six, seven, eight, nine buckets of gold coins that they found. The point is, is that you would have sold everything for those coins. I would have sold everything. I would have called Aunt Gooch Gertrude in, in Timbuktu. Why are you calling me? I want your money because I want to buy a field. <laughs> but, 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 but the point is, is that, that in Christ gets it. You find a treasure on a field, the kingdom of heaven. Wisdom is like that. We would pay anything for that. Solomon, even with $2 trillion, would pay anything for wisdom. And, that, and that's really the point. Don't forget. Don't turn away from it. Don't turn away from the words of my mouth. Think about this. This is another implication. And, uh, and I'm so slow. And we've got a lot of material to cover. But just think about this. If you're single and you're looking for a relationship, just think about a, a woman or a man, and you're pursuing, and they don't know, they don't love the Lord God. You, you know, person, per, personify that woman or that man as wisdom. They don't go after that person. But if they do, if they love the Lord with all their heart and soul, line, they love the Lord more than they do you. If they're treasuring the Word of God, then treat that person as a treasure and go after him or her, and don't let them go because they will keep you on the right path. See, there's a lot of ways we can actually use the wisdom of God in our lives. This takes us to the next point. The Father's plea, knowing God's word. The second, a Father's second appeal, trusting God's providence. You know, uh, Augustine said, trust the past to the mercy of God, the present to his love, and, and the future to his providence. You know, that path. And we're going to get down to the path, you know, um, we, we, we trust in God's providence, you know, the first, um, the whole chapter. But it, it's an opening appeal to let, listen, the first few verses of this chapter we've already read. But then all of a sudden there's an 
exhortation to, to, to refrain from evil and stay on the right path. So now we're, we're going to be looking at the path starting in verse 14. Uh, the two paths dominate this section. It's the language of taking a journey appears throughout. But a father guides his son on the way of wisdom in a long, straight paths. Don't, don't veer to the right or to the left. Now, when he says that, and you see that in Scripture, it's not saying, okay, the Republicans are on the right side, and conservative politics are on the right side, and liberal politics are on the left side. Don't, don't get hung up on all that. It's, he's not saying that, okay? Yeah, vote for Trump. No, I'm not saying that. It's, what he's saying is, is there's nothing wrong with, well, what he's saying is, is it just stay on the straight and narrow. And that's the point. Don't, don't be crooked. Don't, don't, don't go like this. He says, stay um, committed to the truth is basically the emphasis here. Don't enter the path of the wicked, verse 14. Avoid it and all those negatives that we've already talked about. And then this passage presents in vivid colors the depravity of the wicked. They, they live for crime, verse 15. But, but look at how in 16 and 17, but look at how that's contrasted. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. You know, you should personalize that with the people you love. Uh, a grandchild, um, a child, uh, of a spouse. You know, honey, you, this is you. You're, you, you, you walk a righteous life. You, you are like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter into the full day. I did that with someone um, uh, last week. You know, you personalize that, encourage someone. You know, the righteous walk in the safe light of day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness, but someone who is growing in the grace and knowledge of love, we need to encourage one another. You know, and, and, you know, I can't do that with my wife anymore, but the people that I'm discipling, I say, you know, I really appreciate the way that God is doing a work in you, and it's, it's not perfect. I get that. But, but, man, you're spending time in the Word. I can see you growing. It's, you're not the person you were four years ago. And that's what the, that's what the, the, the writer is saying that you're going to see that growth in that person. Well, that takes us to um, the third appeal. I think there is one other thing I wanted to bring out in, in this passage that, that I skipped over. Yeah, um, going back to, to verse 7, acquire wisdom, I just want to really quick quickly say the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. You go back to that, it's kind of quirky, isn't it? Do you read that and say, it's kind of weird. It's kind of circular. Um, there's a quirky rendering here, and I call it quirky. The word's not quirky, but there's almost a, a deliberate violation of the syntax in the Hebrew here. It's called a, a anakaluthan. And, and, and there's, he's really, Solomon's driving home the fact that he's putting, um, he's first of all telling us to acquire wisdom. But he's inserting the will here to make it, it, to emphasize something. So this is what it means. He's saying, he's saying wisdom is supreme, or the beginning of wisdom is to acquire wisdom. Both translations are redundant and use a, an imperative phrase. And it's deliberate. It means to drive home the idea that the first step in the pursuit of wisdom is to determine with the will to obtain her. See what I'm saying? So he's almost like right in the middle of a statement, like obtain wisdom. It's obtain, acquire wisdom. So he's, he's kind of inserting that, that oomph 
to acquire wisdom, even in this statement. So he violates the syntax just to be able to emphasize the fact that we need to get it. We need to grab it. Um, I was with the Hansons at ICR um, a couple of nights ago, and their little baby Noah was there, really cute little guy, a couple months old. That little baby, I said, you know, I was doing my little Google, Google thing, you know, the, the baby talk thing that we do with babies. And he reached over, and then with that little hand, he grabbed my, my finger, you know, and he grabbed it, just two months old. And, you know, he grabbed it, and he had some strength. The little guy had strength, and he wouldn't let go, just in his size. And I said, that's really what, what the, the, the forces of that passage, he grabbed my finger. We need to grab that wisdom. We need to acquire it with our will. And I thought, wow, what a fitting illustration. I mean, just this little baby, this just a little guy. You know, what, what did he weigh? Maybe 10? Well, it's a Hanson, probably 20 pounds. No, I'm just joking. No, no, just, <laughs> they grow. They're just, so, but he, 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 he held on to me really tightly, and I thought that was really good. Well, let's get to obeying God's will. Um, the third appeal, and let's go on with this so that you don't turn me off when we get to 5 to 12. We're going to get into really the nitty-gritty. Um, in verse tw 21, my son, give attention to my words, incline your to my seeing, so don't let it depart. Watch over your heart with all diligence. You know, whatever the heart loves, the, the ears will hear and the eyes will see, right? Whatever your heart loves. Oh, I'm going to watch that program or I'm going to go to that internet site or I'm going to... There's this interaction that goes on between what we look at, what we hear in our music. We need to be really careful. Of course, evil proceeds from our heart, but we can actually fertilize our heart. We can encourage certain behaviors that, that basically then dominate our life. And so that's why we're going to get into the appendages uh, in, in this at the end of this chapter, and then we're going to be warned tactically about the things that we can see. But it's interesting is that we have types of hearts. We have a double heart. We have a, a hard heart. These slides are going to be posted too, so you don't have to write them all down if you want to just take these tomorrow or the next year whenever they post them. We have a, a proud heart, unbelieving heart, a cold heart, an unclean heart. And that's why, you know, a Psalm Psalmist says in 139, 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. I mean, we can deceive ourselves. You know, I've met the enemy, and the enemy is me. There's Satan, there's the world, there's all these other factors out there that influence us, but really, my biggest enemy is Chaz. You know, really? I, I inherited this from Adam and Eve, and I'm not deflecting it on them, but what I'm saying is that I'm my worst enemy. And then look, look at all the stuff that's inside of me. And these are all things that, that, that plague me. And then and on top of that, look at that. There are, we have lips. We have perverse lips, lying lips, flattering lips, and undisciplined lips. And we'll get into that in a second. Uh, but the point I'm making is, is that we have all of these things. And, and, and in Titus 2.6, likewise, I urge young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be example of good deeds. Sound speech, which is beyond reproach. And then Paul in Colossians 4 ties in wisdom. Conduct yourself with wisdom. How do we do that? Let your speech be with grace. So even Paul connects wisdom with speech. He does that in Colossians chapter 4, Titus chapter 2, 
Christ did that in Matthew 12, 23. Make, you know, either make the tree good and good fruit or make the tree bad and bad fruit, for the tree is known by its fruit. And talked about the connection between the heart and what we say. Remember the term, take what he says with a grain of salt? You know, that was a Roman idiom. You sit there and listen to the orator, and if he was a hypocrite or if he didn't know what he was saying, take what he says. I mean, they, they said it in their language, with a grain of salt. Instead, our speech is to be what? Seasoned with much salt, a whole pound of salt. In other words, we need to, our words need to be, reflect the word of God and the wisdom of God is what, what Paul is saying. You know, there's 50 references to mouth in Proverbs alone. And in the authorized version, there's 40 references to lips. So there's a lot of tactical references to how wisdom can positively or negatively influence our lips, perverse lips and lying lips and flattering lips and undis undisciplined lips. You know, there's all sorts of different paths in 25 through 27. You know, Deuteronomy says, so you'll observe all that I do as God has commanded you so that you won't turn aside to the right or to the left. According to the terms, Deuteronomy 17, 11, to the law which I teach you so that you will not turn aside from the right or to the left. This is a phrase that's used throughout Scripture. Joshua 23, 6, be firm, keep the law, keep the law of Moses so that you may not turn aside from the right or from the left. You know, this is the idea that one should not be distracted. When I hiked the John Muir Trail in, in from Yosemite to Mount Whitney, some of those paths were so worn that they were indented and they were down like almost to a foot. Those paths were so, so indented that you would have to physically use with effort get out of the path. And that's what the, that's what the Solomon is saying. Stay in that rooted path, that good path, and don't, don't, don't go the wicked, wicked path. Let your eyes look directly ahead. In Genesis 13.10, Lot looked to Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Remember, he, he went there because of the, the cattle and the, and the plush scenery, and he, he was not following the path. He, he, he went there with the wrong reasons. Lot's wife looked back. She, she was not on that righteous path, and she turned into a pillar of salt. In Psalm 101.3, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. See, that's the temptation to look away from the path. In Psalm 119.37, uh, turn away my eyes from looking at vanity. That's, that's getting our eyes off of the path that Solomon is describing to his son Rehoboam. Jesus said, no one put, having put their hands on the, on the plow in Luke 9 if they, if they look back, what happens if you're, I'm not a farmer, so any farmers in here? What happens if I, if I don't look straight and I start looking back with the plow? What, what am I going to do? Come on, help me. Yeah, you're, 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 I'm going to take a selfie. Hey, look, I'm doing a plow. I'm going to take a selfie. What's going to happen? This is gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Well, how about Peter when he was, he got off the boat? Man, I mean, I would have never have done that. I would have been scared to get out of that boat. So let's not throw Peter under the bus. But what happened when he stopped really looking and focusing on his Savior? 
you sink. And, and that's what happens with us. You know, watch the path, ponder, weigh, make, and, and he's going to make level. It, it, the Lord's going to establish our paths. Psalm 119, oh, my ways may be established to keep your statutes, and I shall not be ashamed. If we do our part, God's going to do his part. He's going to establish our way. That's Psalm 119, 5 through 8. The, sta the steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. That, that's, that's, that's what the Lord does when we, when we do our part. We're, talk we're not talking about salvation again. We're talking about our sanctification and us basically adhering to the word of God. When we are walking in the way of wisdom, God promises to protect our path, direct our path, and perfect our path. You know, I love this. The eyes are to stay fixed on the right teaching. Our feet are to stay on the right path. Our mouth and our lips must shun using twisted words. Our heart must be guarded by sound doctrine. And if the son listens to the father, what will be the condition of the whole body? The whole body will be healthy. Isn't that cool? These are all incredible promises. You know, the heart says it's a wellspring of life. The heart refers not to the physical organ, but to the mind and the whole personality, the, the emotion, the will, the whole being. The corrupt heart draws one down to the grave, but wisdom protects the heart from that corruption. We, we need to condition our conscience with the word of God. It's not perfection, it's direction. We're still going to sin, we're going to make mistakes, we're going to err, but it's conditioning ourselves. It's the first John 1, 9. It's, it's slowly growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that finishes up with this passage. But it's a, there's a sad side to all of this. The epilogue to this good story is an evil path. You know, Rehoboam, he becomes king, right? So what does he do? He's challenged with that first decision point in 1 Kings chapter 11. What does he do? You know, Solomon slept with his fathers. He's buried with the city. He went to Shechem, and all Israel comes to him. So he has a choice. So why didn't he go before the Lord and say, I'm young, I'm wet behind the ears, I need wisdom? Well, what Was he listening to Proverbs chapter 3 and 4? Solomon sat down with him. We have the record right here. Whew, right over his head. But for me, what am I doing? You know, am I listening to this? You know, I think about all the years I wasted, so I don't want to be too harsh on Rehoboam. But I compare it. And then what about the sad story? What did Solomon do over the years after he gained all of those wives and the harem and the Playboy mansion, you know? And, and what did those women do to him over the years? He's his heart slowly. The Bible says he wasn't wholly devoted to the Lord. So there's the other part of the sad story. He's giving a... Uh, and through the control of the Holy Spirit, he's writing all this stuff, but he falls victim too. So that's a warning to all of us. Where I'm, I'll speak for myself. I'm an old man. I got a little AARP card. I'm, a, I, I'm drawing Social Security first month last year or last month. So I'm old, okay? So, so that's to me. I haven't, I haven't gotten to the magic age. You know, y'all are young. You know, I, I don't get to a certain age and just all of a sudden the pixie dust and I'm perfection. It tempt, I get the temptations, and it's just, it's probably worse for me than it is for you. I'm single now, so I have to follow all the advice I gave my singles for all those years. I hate that. <laughs> I have to follow the advice I gave you when we sat down. <laughs> this is wrong. This is hard. 
but, but it's good. I'm joking. But I, I'm serious. You know, it, this, is, this is for us. We don't want to follow his example. And, and, and so that's where I kind of end this. And so, you know, well, we need the application. Our Heavenly Father challenges us today and from the day forward to choose the correct path in life and, and make two foundational commitments. Again, I've said it over and over again, and we need to trust and obey. You know, that, that verse, that's the portal, you know, for all of us. That's the portal because we, we, when we doubt God's word, um, that's when we lean on our own understanding, right? And, and so if you want to know um, where the, the center of gravity is in the military. I was a targeting officer. took out a lot of targets during Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Well, you know, you don't want to take out the whole target. You just want to zero in and, and just take out that one thing that's going to be the showstopper, right? This isn't the cooking channel, but the showstopper, okay? British cooking channel, for those of you who watch that. Some of you watch it. I got you. That's getting really weird, too. Anyway, um, James chapter 1, 13 through 15, you know, talks about the fact that the center of gravity is, is here. It's here. And let no man say when he's being tempted, he's being tempted of God. Each man is enticed and carried away. And then we get this whole conception thing, you know. It, it, you know, sin is born within us, and then it, it manifests itself outward. It produces death and, and all those things. That's what we need to zero in. I think if, for your homework, if you really want to confess before a lot, you don't want to confess the actual act, although you do, but it starts inside, and that's where we need to zero in on. on and wisdom would, will carry you to James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, and that's a whole other message to be taught. Let wisdom have its work in your heart. And the result will be James 1.18. Let's go to James 1.18 real quick. This is really cool. I want to end on a positive note because God is committed to keeping you. And that's what Jude says. I read it. You know, we, we need to be keeping ourselves in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. But down in verse 24, he will keep us. Isn't that cool? He'll, he'll keep us. And maybe that discipline does turn to punishment in Hebrews chapter 12. But keep it on the discipline side, you know, and, and make all of that stuff we have to go through worthwhile in your growth so you can get the rewards you know but look at james 118 but someone oh no i'm in the wrong chapter 118 i love this look at this in the exercise of his will he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures that's the end result isn't that neat sure we're tempted but, but ultimately, God is committed to our sanctification. He, he is committed to our sanctification. But, but, but look at Proverbs. Go back to the same verse, Proverbs 4, 18. Same, same verse, 18, 18. But the path of righteousness is like the light of dawn. He, Solomon's saying the same thing. He's saying the same thing James is, that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. And God is committed to our sanctification. And, and, and this is how we do it. It's internalizing the word of God and allowing God, his Holy Spirit, to do that work in us. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the word. I thank you for this class. What a, what a joy it is to come down here and, and to see um, the, the fellowship, the shepherding, the, the parental shepherding that I see, the spiritual 
um, relationships that go on, the caring, um, really the carrying out of what Proverbs 4 is talking about. And I thank you for the families that are represented in this room. And I see just the parental responsibilities of, of, of what Solomon did with Rehoboam in the home and, and what I see these individual families doing with their families at home and, they're, and bringing them to church, their sons and daughters, teaching them at home and then reinforcing uh, all of those principles, Father, as they mentor and as they bring up their children in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you now for this day, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.